0: Hello again, everybody. We are here for the fourth edition of the PoopCast with Dr. McFerrin. Welcome back, Dr. McFerrin. Thank you. Happy to be here. We're going to be talking about a pretty high-yield topic today, and that is GI bleeding in the pediatric population. It can be a little tricky, so we're going to separate it into upper and lower GI bleeding because I think that's probably your main concern when you hear about GI bleeding, correct, Dr. McFerrin?
1: Correct. I think uh, two things uh, can help you in, in regards to an algorithm uh, for diagnosis in these particular patients, I think it's important to try and differentiate upper GI bleed versus lower, and also very helpful to consider age-specific uh, differential. So uh, right off the bat here, talking about um, in the newborn period in upper GI bleeding or evidence of upper GI bleeding, probably first and foremost is uh, swallowed maternal blood, Uh, The swallowed maternal blood classically um, would be from swallowed during breastfeeding and from breast trauma. However, can also be swallowed during delivery, and then um, they have a large volume um, vomitus uh, containing blood one to two days after delivery. So important to remember that as well, though on every test question you ever take, and and most commonly it is uh, due to maternal Uh, trauma uh, related to breastfeeding. The other thing to consider is that in older children, uh, in particular, um, acid peptic diseases such as esophagitis, gastritis, duodenitis, and then more severe gastric ulcer, duodenal ulcer can certainly occur. um, In those children, uh, important to screen for use of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, um, even Routine doses um, can cause um, peptic injury, so it's important to remember that as well. Um, Flipping back to infants for a second, I think one thing to always keep on the differential when you see a two to three-month-old who comes in with hematemesis or even coffee grounds, and they have persistent projectile vomiting, you have to keep pyloric stenosis on the differential. We know that a certain percentage of infants with pyloric stenosis will have evidence of upper GI bleeding, most likely from retching. So it's not going to be easy for us, obviously. No, there's nothing (laughs) easy about it. Um, And I think perhaps one of the most important things, if not the most important thing to remember when you're evaluating a patient with um, upper GI bleeding is to take a step back while you craft your differential in your mind, but also determine if the patient is stable or not. And Dr. Rayburn here is an emergency medicine physician, so I'm sure he agrees. Um, you know, the old adage of vital signs of history and physical goes a long way, um, in this instance, important to stabilize the patient, obtain two, um, um, types of access or so-called two large-bore IVs um, and appropriately resuscitate the patient either with um, IV fluids and or blood products. Um, We know that if there is something that we can intervene on through endoscopy, outcomes are better uh, when the patient is stable, Um, not just mortality, but morbidity as well. Um, So important to also run labs, right, Uh, your routine uh, complete blood count, specifically including platelets and, and plus or minus an INR um, in these patients. In older children, in addition to acid peptic injury, I think right along those lines, you have to consider helicobacter pylori, um, which of course can cause acid peptic injury, though we do see it um, in the United States, um, and important uh, to keep that in mind. Switching to lower GI bleeding and going by age group, in infants and in young children, By far and away, the most common cause of bright red blood in the stool is an anal fissure. Um, It can happen in infants as well, and a good history and physical examination, including an anal rectal examination, is important and can stave off a large, um, unnecessary evaluation.
0: Again... History and physical. History like and physical said, goes a long don't way. Don't necessarily have to go all the way down to. I need my specialist right now. That's right. If you actually do the physical exam, and that's find the right. Answer. Yeah,
1: you got to be careful calling the gastroenterologist when you haven't looked at the child's anal rectal area. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. um, one of the special um, scenarios I think is really important to remember that in young children between the ages of two to five, two to six years old, anal fissure is the most common cause. The second most common cause of bright red blood in the stool is an isolated juvenile polyp Um, typically uh, these are solitary juvenile polyps that occur somewhere in the retrosigmoid colon if they have greater than three polyps then they fall into a category of juvenile polyposis coli um, which is beyond the scope of this talk Uh, but most second most common cause of bleeding in this age group and and important to remember, um, it's typically painless. Sometimes it will contain mucus. And we can go in uh, with a colonoscopy and quickly remove these. These are benign uh,
0: phenomenon and do not require follow-up. I know there's another painless GI bleeding, yeah. that uh, lower GI bleeding, yeah. that is a special circumstance as well. Yes,
1: and uh, right along those lines, remember that juvenile polyps are painless, small amount of bright red blood. Not always associated with anemia, though if it's been going on for a while, they can be mildly iron deficient. The other uh, big one in um, painless in large volume is a Meckel's diverticulum. Um, these children often um, will um, drop their hemoglobin um, several grams. Um, occasionally can require uh, blood products, um, but not always and. Um, as mentioned, it's painless, it's large volume, and it requires uh, surgical intervention. A, a Meckel scan, which is a nuclear, mes- me- nuclear medicine study, excuse me, can help you, um, though it is not a perfect study. And occasionally, if your suspicion is very high for a Meckles diverticulum, uh, you have to convince your surgeon uh, to do an exploratory laparoscopy.
0: But there is a common area, right? for the two there's a rule of twos I'm trying to remember is it two inches from the ileocecal valve right is that right right
1: right and the diverticulum is typically two inches long and I forgot the third David they're usually two
0: years of two usually two years old that's right yes
1: (laughs) uh he put me on the spot there um So really important because both of these things, juvenile polyps, Meckel's diverticulum can uh, be uh, corrected um, very quickly with um, fairly minor um, interventions, either with a colonoscopy and polypectomy or with a um, exploratory laparoscopy and and, uh, Meckel's resection.
0: All right, just for some clarification as far as Meckel's is concerned, there is the rule of twos that you're classically taught, and we just wanted to cover those again and make sure that everybody understands them.
1: That's right. I think it's important to remember with Meckles uh, that it, as mentioned previously, that it is typically large volume, um, bright red blood per rectum, uh, that it is painless, and for uh, the rule of twos are concerned, it can occur in up to 2% of the population who have Meckles diverticula. Um, most commonly occurs around the age of two years. Um, it can be anywhere between um, near, right near the I C valve, or within two feet of the I C valve, and the diverticulum are uh, typically two inches
0: long. So, as far as upper G I bleeding, if they if they come into the emergency department or even primary care, um, how what would you expect parents to describe that blood to look like?
1: Right, I I think the the spectrum of what is described uh, varies greatly, I think. Is it bright red? Is it a small amount of specks of blood that almost appear like coffee grounds? We don't hear coffee ground as much in in pediatrics as they do uh, in the adult population. I think it's very important to ask about nosebleeds and um, nose picking, which uh, children do, um, a brisk nosebleed, um, particularly posterior nosebleed, can show up as hematemesis, and, and we um, see that with a fair bit of frequency. So volume of blood, um, character of blood, the color of the blood, how many times did it occur, do they have nosebleeds, have they been sick with a gastrointestinal illness and retching frequently, Mallory Wise tear is also up there as a common cause, um, which requires no intervention if your suspicion is high. But classically, uh, those patients have been vomiting either from a viral gastrointestinal illness um, or some other potential cause and then have um, a small tear Um, that can lead to more strings of bright red blood. It's usually a very
0: small amount, and we do not intervene in those patients. And I think most of the board questions are going to give you some of those important historical points to help differentiate what may be the cause of this type of bleeding. Yes, correct, correct. And then as far as lower GI bleeds, bleeds are concerned, how would you expect that to present as far as the description of the blood from the parents? Right. I think it, it's important
1: to remember, in addition to the age-specific diagnosis, you know, when when the parents are describing the, system, the uh, symptoms or the older child is describing the symptoms, is one, does it hurt or not? Um, that can really help you... Um, Delineate if it's painful, it's most likely distal anal rectal pathology like a fissure or a hemorrhoid. Um, painless would be more of uh, the juvenile polyp. Large volume painless would be Meckles. Um, again, just like upper GI bleeds, important to distinguish bright red blood uh, from um, melanotic stools or, or dark black stools. Um, Occasionally, you know, you have to ask families to take a picture of the stool or of the uh, vomitus to get a clearer picture of what it is that they're seeing.
0: It's best when they just bring the diaper in. and They're like, here, doc, this is what we got.
1: Very helpful. Also, I think it's important to remember that our uh, commonly used antibiotic, cefdenir, can certainly um, proceed as, or show up uh, as, quote, blood in stool um, that is ultimately hemocult negative and so very important to take an appropriate medication history as well because it can look like large volume blood uh, in the diaper from the sefton itself. Don't forget about hot Cheetos and Takis. Hot Cheetos and Takis, one of a GI doctor's favorites. Um, All of the dye (laughs) that's (laughs) present um, in those delicious uh, snacks can show up as uh, blood in the stool, as also and uh, hematemesis as well.
0: And I think that's important too. You mentioned the fecal occult blood. Like you, you do if you have a sample in front of you. Same thing with the vomitus. You can do a gastric cult on it. You can do a fecal occult. Make sure it's actually right. blood.
1: And I, thank you for reminding me that. I think it's really important to confirm that it is indeed blood. Um, as I mentioned with Ceph Deneer, it w- looks very bloody, uh, but then when you hemocult it, it is uh, negative. And and same things with food dyes,
0: uh, things like that uh, will be hemocult negative as well. All right. Back to history and physical, it's turned out. Always. Okay. Um, All right. So I think those are some great things. We talked about trying to stay out of the weeds here. I know from a lower GI standpoint, you, you mentioned painful. I think also like infectious etiologies there, inflammatory bowel disease, which we've talked about in other segments. So we won't really get in the weeds here on that. I
1: think though, both of those, um, inflammatory bowel disease, uh, specifically ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease, as well as the infectious, uh, most commonly bacterial um, colitis. Remember that those present with diarrhea, those children usually have more abdominal pain and cramping and have other features, be it weight loss, um, fever, unknown exposure. But I think compared to Meckel's diverticulum and juvenile polyp and anal fissure, that Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, and for example, E. coli or Shigella are going to present with diarrhea in addition to the blood itself. So you're gonna
0: be thinking more of the diarrheal illness rather than the GI. That's brain. right. That changes your differential,
1: and, and I think the the systemic features, exposure history, things like that that
0: go along with those help delineate those from these other causes. Yeah. So we jumped back and forth between upper and lower. Um, I think one other thing to cover in upper, and we kind of joked about it right from the beginning, was an alcohol induced gastritis. But you could see it on your teenage patient in a stem saying that they, you know, went on a bender and now they're having. Um, bright red blood in their vomit. So alcohol-induced gastritis, I think, is another one.
1: And, and something um, I have never seen, to be honest with you, uh, thank God, as a pediatric gastroenterologist, but I think it is important to keep that in mind, uh, particularly for your adolescent patients,
0: um, that it is a risk for them as well. Wonderful. Anything else, Dr. McFarren? I think that's it. All right. As always, we really appreciate your time. Yep. Thank you.